I know him as the master man behind Fantabulous, who um, basically sell all those uh, kits and phones and anything you need to do with mobile equipment. Fantabulous are the people to chase. Um, uh, Jack Zervos, great to have you with us. But you're also Thank you, George. Thank you, Josh. We you're also you. you're also the man who rang me about a month ago and said, "Listen, I've got something you need to be involved in." And then you proceeded to reel off what was it, eight, nine, ten, twelve names that I thought there's no way Jack Zervos is going to gather this crop of superstars. And guess what, Josh? He did. And then he proceeded with the help of uh, uh, another guy who's loved the game forever and a day. I'm talking about Harry Michaels. And they put together something extraordinary, um, extraordinary because it, it brought together uh, some wonderfully creative and talented people who love the game and who've played the game at the highest level for the better part of the last 50 years. And we had a chance to pay homage to, to wonderful characters, larger than life. Paul Wade gave us some insight uh, about so many stories that we'd only half heard. Uh, the the man that Jack loves uh, with with enormous fondness, uh, he, we call him the Godfather. But when you see him up close, and I had a chance to to spend some time with him, and we had dinner as well. I'm talking about the great Rally Rasic. Do you know he's 87 years young? My wife, almost, my, almost 87, George, almost 87. Well, well, well listen, hey, he's 87. Because in the European parlance, the the day the year turns over, you are one year older. Don't you can't hide a Jack. And my Absolutely. wife said to me, she was watching, and she goes, "He's eighty seven, unbelievable. Not only is he aware, he has a dream. And Jack, what's that dream that uh, Rally has? And he's been building, and he's and he's born, he's born a hole in your in your, in the side of your uh, your ear, telling you this story because it's it's well it's well worth t- uh, retelling." Yeah, it is. It is, George and Josh, and, and it really is important given the challenges of the game, not just faces, but always faced. I mean, our game's always had challenges, just like any other product. I think today more so for a whole lot of reasons, not just COVID. Um, and Rally's always had this dream of an Australian football museum, um, a home for our history, but also a, a home to gather our present so that our present can learn about our history um, so they can share in it. Um, so people from our past can be there personally. Um, and also being the past and the present together, obviously a springboard for our future. Um, and that transcends, you know, the cliches, the old football, the new football, mm-hmm. the NSL, the A-League, because it's not about that. It's about the game itself. Um, and Rally and I often have this discussion you know, the ball's been round for a thousand years. The ball hasn't changed. <laughs> no. you know, it's, got it's got lighter. It's got lighter. It's a lot lighter and it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, it doesn't get as wet and as heavy. Yep. But at the end of the day, it's about kicking the ball from one end to the other as quickly as possible and scoring a goal. Mm. And we've had some incredible people over the years and some incredible firsts. I mean, you talked about the program that we did, um, Harry Michaels, um, and let's also acknowledge um, to his credit, not only his passion and his vision, but also at his expense, personally. Um, you know, that's that's not cheap, three-and-a-half-hour production of that all lived together. But, uh, we, we talk about the, the, the character in the game. Um, you know, we had three Matildas on that show. Between them, had more international caps than we've played Australian international rugby league games. Correct. Um, you know, just some extraordinary stuff. You know, you've got a guy like Paul Wade, 118 caps. Um, that's any other team sport is just 
one person, you know, beyond beyond comprehension. We don't celebrate that enough, but I think it's impacting our ability to move forward. It's impacting our ability to unite and generate strength and momentum. Um, and that's why Rally's Dream is so important now more than ever. It needs to come to fruition because you've got all these wonderful contributors. Gary Cole was on the show, Tony Henderson, Laurie McKenna. Um, you know, we talk about Paul Wade. Um, they've got still so much to give and so much to offer. And if they had a home where they could do that, Tony mm. um, Merrick, we talk about all the time. You know yeah. how, you know, he's, he's now educating the AFL because we can't find a place <laughs> for him. Um, talk to me about uh, how impressed you were with Graham Arnold. Oh. Look, <laughs> Tell the story because some, some people will not believe it. Well, I think Graham's a good example of everything it means to be Australian. Um, and it, look, it's easy to criticise coaches. You know, everything's the coach's fault. <laughs> I mean, you know, you talk about being a Spurs I'm a lead supporter. I've got no hope. Um, but, but, you know, just to give an indication, um, I reached out to Graham while he was um, overseas, obviously in, on his tough World Cup qualifying journey. Probably the toughest two weeks of his career, to be fair, given the games that he played and the results. Um, and I couldn't contact him, so I reached out to him via his wife, Sarah. Um, she got back to me within 24 hours. And now, Graham didn't have a clue what we were doing. All Graham got was a message that said, we'd like him to spend the afternoon with us on Friday the 4th at Chatswood. And she got back to me and said, Graham's in. And that was it. Simple as it got. And as he's flying out from Oman to Sydney, this is, uh, you know, the day before the show at, at three in the morning, he sends me an email and he says, mate, no idea what this is about. Can you let me know? I've got myself into <laughs> essentially. And I sent him a, you know, an overview. He gets back at midnight. And we're filming, as you know, the, film, the filming started at 1.30, the pre-production meeting at 1.30. Yep. Um, Harry wanted us there at 1 o'clock. He gets back at midnight, probably the toughest two weeks of his, of his journey, and he sends me an email and he says, I'm back. Is it okay if I don't get there till 1.30? <laughs> this is a national coach. Mm-hmm. Think about every other national coach of every other national team in the world, in the world of football. Who is that generous? Who is that down to earth? Who is that accessible? To get his results on the pitch, which I personally think is still extraordinary if you look at the numbers, and we get disappointed when we lose. If you look at the campaign overall, he's, he's done pretty well with what he's got. He turned up at 129 on the dot. Correct. Now, any other country, and you and I had this discussion, George, any other country, there would have been a queue of people out there blocking the street. If we were in Rome or Paris or Athens or Germany, you know, Frankfurt, streets would have been closed they had the equivalent of two National World Cup coaches, four or five Socceroos, three Matildas, and about a 1,000 international caps between that room. And you haven't even mentioned Kenny Wilson. Kenny Wilson, <laughs> John Stoddart. You know, people forget that Johnny Stoddart was in, on the sideline, you know, who led New South Wales, you know, uh, to a, a win against Dinamo Zagreb. With Correct. Kenny in the team. Uh, Joe Maragliani, you know, who was on, you know, he was part of the 2006 the Golden Generation World Cup campaign as a gear steward in the masseuse. Now, it's not just the great players that make the game. This game's great because there's a lot of great people in it from the change room, you know, to the stands, um, to the to the head office. People like Tony Labazetta was there. That's right. You know, um, man that's really the, the godfather of Marconi, the palace, as we call it. Yeah. Um, you know, NSL uh, chairman for 12 years. Uh, that's some extraordinary contributions that we need to recognise, I think, and, and, and celebrate. 
Speaking of recognising the history, I mean, this idea of Australian Football Museum really appeals to me because it, it seems in my you know, comparatively brief time following the game, we seem to ground zero every few years with a rebrand and chuck the rest in the bin and uh, quite literally sometimes with some of the trophies that have been reco- recovered from garages and skips and, and restored and so forth. We haven't done a good job of preserving Australian football history and actually... Uh, I guess, telling our own story from for how important the game actually is to this country. Uh, so where does Riley Rasich come into it? Because, I mean, I don't know if everybody knows about the kind of collection that he's maintained well, off his own back over the years that, that tell, could be so, so valuable. Jack, give us a, give us a clue because uh, Josh doesn't know the memorabilia um, um, horde that has been assembled by Riley. Well, let, let, let me give you some context. Um, Bob Marley in a Socceroos tracksuit with a signed photo. Um, Neil Armstrong with a signed Socceroos football. We're not just talking, you know, ballet at lunch with Rally and Dr. Socrates. Um, Three-hour interview with Maradona. Um, you know, Jim Steins, the mascot of the 74 World Cup, his hand-embroidered Socceroos jacket had every team we played on it crossed out with a red line every time we'd finished the game. Um, you know, we're talking some absolutely... As I said, any other country in the world, this, this stuff would be in a bank vault. <laughs> um, now, the collection itself, look, it probably fills two 40-foot containers without being um, presented. Josh, to your point, I think Raleigh's dream isn't about housing his collection. Raleigh's dream is about creating a home for everyone's collection. Yeah. On loan from George Denickian, on loan from Les Scheinflug, you know, on loan from Ray Richards, the jersey, uh, LA's jersey that he got when they exchanged jerseys when they played against each other. Um, you know, Paul Wade's jersey when he played against Maradona. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's so much history in the homes of South Melbourne supporters and Sydney Olympic supporters and Socceroos supporters. Um, you know, people like Harry Williams, our first Indigenous Socceroo. Um, you know, what a great story. Charlie Perkins. Um, you know, I know that there's a Panhellenic jersey signed by Charlie Perkins somewhere that belongs in a place like Football Museum, not in someone's home. And the owner of that jersey doesn't want it in his home. But the owner's happy to say on loan too, so that everyone can learn about our Indigenous footballing history, our Matilda's footballing history, you know, our original Matilda's who just went to play an Asian Cup in 1975. How do we celebrate them? 75. I mean, we've been playing AFL and, and women's rugby league for five years and they think they're pioneers. Mm. Uh, something else that you need to validate, and uh, uh, we've seen it time and time again, you go to the Met in, in New York, you go to some of the great museums around the world, and that's exactly what you see. Even in the Louvre, uh, you know, this particular family has bequeathed or has offered or has partaken or has delivered this particular as, a, as a, an opportunity to say thank you. You know, it's just a wonderful thing. These great museums, these vast vaults that hold so much of our uh, living history um, only exist because generous people understand what it means. to Not to, to give up, George. but to, to, to sh- put it on show, which is even more wonderful. Expose well, let's it. Let's go a step further because this isn't about what we call a static museum. Correct. The dream is to have something dynamic. Yep. The dream is to have something that houses memorabilia but also has some futsal courts, some indoor football courts, um, somewhere where ex-players can book five or six weeks of tuition 
no cost, so they can offer their skills to young footballers for free. You know, imagine if you've got a uh, if you've got a young, you know, eight, nine, ten, twelve year old who wants to be a striker, and he can spend a couple of days being coached by Des Martin oh. at no cost. Oh. You know, um, you know, someone that wants to learn how to tackle, and he can be coached by, you know, um, Ali Yankos. Um, if they choose to, I'm just using examples. Yeah, yeah. Th- we want this to be dynamic. We want this not just to be the problem with football. There's lots of challenges with football. But it needs to be more accessible. And we've got so much generosity amongst that generation of players, they haven't got a home to share it. Yeah, I mean, that's a very good point. And uh, the, the fact that we had so much ease uh, filling three hours of entertainment, it was extraordinary. Uh, Tony Henderson, Gary Cole. Gary Cole's stories alone, for goodness sake, and we've had him on air. Mm. Um, his mantra for me has always been, if you, if you truly believe in the good of the game, if you are for the good of the game, I'll back you to the hilt. Yeah? And well, that's, he's I'm, never changed. He's just I'm, got I'm better biased, and George. better and better as a human being. Yeah. I'm biased because, you know, as you know, Gary and I, I like to call him a friend, as far as I'm concerned, Gary Cole's good enough to be running FIFA. Uh, can't argue. Brain, can't Gary argue. Cole is. And if he was running FIFA, the game would be much stronger around the world. You know, and I say that sincerely. That's not me blowing smoke. Um, and here's just one. You know, you listen to Paul Wade and you think, how can there not be room in our game formally for someone like Paul Wade? You know, his clarity, his passion, you know, his experiences. Um it's not just that level. We've got some amazingly, you know, outstanding achievers. But even uh, Rory McKinnon, you know, yeah. came here as a player in the NSL, um, <laughs> coached in the NSL, coached in the A-League twice, won premierships twice. You know? um, and yet he's not involved in the game. And we've got clubs struggling at the moment looking for answers. And you've got that level of experience and quality. Um, you know, so there's so many examples at every level. They're just the names that we know the names that have contributed that sometimes we forget about. And, and that's what we need to celebrate and bring back together. Jack, uh, four or five years ago when we launched um, FNR, one of the treats, I didn't know how special it was going to be, was a program called The Pioneers that we do with uh, George Katsanas, or we did with George Katsanas. And it gave us an opportunity to talk to some of the living legends, some of the people who'd played the game, from the state leagues to the uh, NSL and, of course, to the A-League. And we got a chance to speak to Gary. And if you... If you put your finger uh, like a cursor on his career mm. and from the days when he never headed the ball to when he occasionally headed the ball to when he was part of that strike force that didn't go to the World Cup but quite possibly deserved to go to the World Cup. And, mm. then, and then after the game, after the fact that he retired and the coaching and everything else that he's done right up till now, he is someone who should be in the inner sanctum helping to take the game to the next level. Because he's made the mistakes, he's learnt, but his career path, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. He's just a tremendous contributor and he's such a humble man. And when you stack it up, he is some, someone very special. We're always delighted to have him in the studio. And um, I, know, I know the last time we had him together... We also had a, a young guy that you may remember called uh, Young Kokinos, uh, who who <laughs> I couldn't be. believe when we lost him a number of weeks ago now. Um, Very sad. But we had, what, six, six, eight weeks ago, we had dinner together, all of us, Gary Cole, 
Uh, Ulysses Kokinos and so on. Kenny, Ta- Kenny Taylor. Kenny Taylor, the King, King Kenny. Um, and all of these people love the game. They absolutely adore it. So, George, let me go a bit, sorry, George, go let me go a bit further. Yep. If you look at what happened on, on that Friday, Julie Murray, what an outstanding Matilda. What a wonderful, articulate, knowledgeable you know, role model for, for young female football. Sure. By Allegich, you know. Um, Heather Garrett, well, you know, everyone knows about Heather's yeah, yeah, achievements. Yeah. There's so many more, and if these people were in the game today, especially in the women's game, where we uh, let, let's not sugarcoat it, we've got some challenges, mm. um, you know, and, and there's some things that probably still need to need to be addressed. The calmness and the clarity and the integrity those three ladies brought to the conversation. We had some of our greatest socceroos, and, and you were there. Their jaws dropped. Yep, touche, touche. Um, um, right, yeah. Josh. I wanted to jump in and, and talk about. I mean, there's there's the museum side of things, which I think is uh, a very worthy goal. But there's also another way that Australian football isn't acknowledging its history, and that is its historic clubs are not part of a connected pyramid. And there's a lot of talk at the moment about a national second division and whether it will happen or not. Late 2023 is the the marker that we've been given. It seems to shift by a year every time. It's it's you know this year plus one for yep. the last five yep. years. Yep. Uh, but I mean, Jack, I wanted to ask you uh, your perspective on it and whether you think it is the next step for for Australian football to, to bring these clubs, these historic clubs, back into the fold. Look, it's Josh, thank you for the question. It's a contentious one. Um, it's a very emotive one. And one of the challenges we have in football at a leadership level is we need to separate the headlines from the emotion um, and we need to start looking at things critically. Football's a product, like every other product. You know, and I'm a retailer. We've got a cluttered market. We've got three or four competing national team sports. We've got a relatively small population. We don't have an overabundance of quality ground. And allegiances and loyalties are fragmented and fractured between AFL, rugby league, football, rugby union. But that hasn't changed in 100 years. We know that. Um, and a lot of the noise is taken where the big sponsorship dollars are and the big crowds, which is AFL league. I think the talk of second division resonates with a lot of the emotionally high-hard football lovers, the 60s and 70s migrants, but really the founding members of football in this, new football in this country. Um, they, they brought with them their, their memories from the playground in Croatia, in Greece, in Italy, in Malta, um, and they formed community clubs. And the community clubs were, were formed around a common ethnic thing, and it was the right time and the right place. The problem I've got with the whole concept of the second division, and I, and I know this is controversial, I've had this discussion with you, I think it's fatally flawed. As a retailer, you don't have a big enough market. You don't have enough people. If we get enough money to sponsor, a decent national second division club is going to need $3 million a year to run. Let's not argue about it. It's a or just run a club. It's got to be around $3 million. We don't have enough local players to make the A-League at the moment. Where are you going to find enough for a second division, coaches, Referees. Mm. It's not just about the, you know the whole the historical emotive argument. Mm. We need to get this right. We're not going to get another second go at this. Mm. We need to get it right. And again, I go back to the NSL, which is where I grew up, and where I learned to love the game. In fact, I go back before that in the state, you know, the state leagues, Hellenic and Newgall and Colonial. Um, and that ethnic element brought crowds, brought a lot of support. You know, people put their hands in their pocket when the bill was a bit low. Um, and we've lost that because we've become a franchise model, and that's okay. 
there's a franchise model there at the moment called the A-League, separate to the way the game is being run to the administrators. They've got a license agreement, I believe, says they cannot be relegated before 2030. Okay? So the concept, if that's true, and no one will confirm it, the concept of promotion and relegation is flawed to begin with. You've then got a financial model that says, I've got to pay X million to get my A-League license. How can South Melbourne or Sydney Olympic afford to pay X million to get promoted into that A-League? And why would the A-League, who owns itself, allow someone to come into that environment without paying for a license? I'm confused. So it doesn't stack up commercially. Emotionally, it might. Mm. If we haven't got enough referees, let's agree that's a problem. Mm. We haven't he got is, enough grounds. He, he is a referee, so he knows. <laughs> and we know the struggle. Okay. I mean, I, I was working with a small MPL3 club who was trying to negotiate uh, a lease on a local, you know, the ground, Pratt and Park. Yep. The local council wanted $167,000 a year rent for electricity. Okay. So you know, it's great to say let's have a national second division. How is Marconi or Sydney Olympic or RP or South Melbourne going to afford to fly a team to Perth twice a year? Mm. Okay. The, 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 the conference model that we had, North and South conference model, much more cost effective. At the end of the day, we need to go back to the fundamentals of the way the game's been built. And we've got A-League at the moment, a first division, but I challenge anyone to argue it's fully functional, fully productive, fully profitable. So why would we dilute any energy focusing on a second division until we get that firing? People are arguing that the second division is going to fix it. I'm arguing the second division is going to make it worse. Good questions. Good questions. There are, yeah, I mean, I, I take every point you made on, on board, Jack. Um, one thing I would say is that we did have Chris Niku in the studio yes. a number of months ago, and, uh, you know, he did tell us that there was, there was no such clause in the, the A-League licenses. Um, yeah, look, I, I, we took him in his word on that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, it, that they can be relegated. Um, that, that, was, that was from the horse's mouth. Why would they be? I would I spend $10 million for an A-League license and say, you know what, I've finished bottom four, well, I'm going to go into the second division. The, the other part of it is the separation of powers, if you will, uh, between the, the APL and uh, FFA. the FFA. Or FA, yeah. Uh, what was covered at the time was that uh, Football Australia would be able to make the call on promotion and relegation. That would be taken out of the APL sense. I totally agree. They would never do it. But um, what we were told at the time in all of the reporting, and look, I haven't seen the legal documents, but uh, was that uh, that the Football Australia retained the final say over these game-altering issues because, you know, once the, the A-League clubs go separate, there was no way they were ever going to bring it in themselves. So whether it's a good idea or not, very much up for debate. But I think it, it can be done based on what we've heard from, from Football Australia. My, my, my dream for, for the game is a very simple one. My vision is very simple. I want to go to a, a suburban ground and watch a, a youth team in the girls. I want to watch a youth team in the boys. I want to watch a WNPL game. I want to watch an NPL game and an A-League game all in one afternoon. Yeah. On a day of football. I, I don't care about the politics. I don't care about what you call them. Mm. I grew up in the 70s and 80s in, in, the, in the height of the NSL. Third all my friends. Reserves. First. Zoran Illich, yep. Andy Koska, Pedro yep. Ricoy, all these guys were playing at 15 and 16 Correct. in, in NSL teams. Look, the, the, the story you mentioned, uh, Zoran Illich, uh, he told us he was a lines, he was a, he was a ball boy uh, the year before he made his debut uh, at Barton Park. 
uh, for St George. And we're talking about a kid who is suddenly in the dressing room with all his stars. Um, and he made the grade and yep. because the opportunities presented themselves. And that's what Josh and I have always been saying time and time again, if you give people an opportunity, wonderful things can happen. But you're a businessman, and I know that the bottom line is one we need to get right. And I, and I cannot argue with you that, uh, you know, we can, we've got so much on our plate that we can waste a few opportunities. No, we can't. This is, this is that important. Mm. So whatever we do, it's got to happen. I, I take your point, Jack, about the game being more connected on the, that sort of level. Uh, the, the, the clearest example is this uh, Sunday we in Melbourne. We've got an A-League women's game, top of the table clash between Sydney City and Sydney, um, playing in Bentley in a suburban ground. And then two hours later, there's an A-League men's game between Western United and Western Sydney Wanderers kicking off at Amy Park. So there's just no way that a enthusiastic local fan such as myself could actually make it to both games. So we've got to choose. And I understand with the COVID and the fixture congestion and everything, you've got to have all these fixtures, but couldn't the two clubs work together and just stage a double header? It's, it's crazy to Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Yep. You know, we talk about uniting the game, guys. This is how you unite the game. You unite the game visually, week in, week out. You walk into one turnstile and it's like, hey, it's here. It's an afternoon of football. Jack, it's been a delight uh, getting you on to not only uh, chew the fat but give us a sense of some of the challenges that lie ahead. Uh, listen, uh, continued good work with Fantabulous. Stir Thanks. Miss Elise, and we look forward to seeing you real soon. Thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it. Have a great evening.